0: This is episode number 1,124 with Dr. Alan Goldhammer. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Winston Churchill said, healthy citizens are the greatest asset any country can have. And Tricia Cunningham said, the individual who says it is not possible should move out of the way of those doing it. Today, my guest is Dr. Alan Goldhammer, who is one of the world's leading experts on medically supervised water only fasting and in 1984 he founded and became director of true north health center in santa rosa california it is the largest facility in the world specializing in medically supervised water only fasting and one of the premier training facilities for doctors to gain certification in the supervision of therapeutic fasting and dr goldhammer is the author of the healthy promoting cookbook and co-author of the pleasure trap mastering the hidden force that undermines health and happiness and our conversation was so fascinating for me because I am diving deep in optimizing my health and understanding the science of all these things from the diets to the water fasting to uh, just fasting in general that we broke this up into two different episodes. And in this first episode, we discussed the biggest benefits to water-only fasting and some of the stuff that he shares with me is blowing me away. The best way to fast from the comfort of your own home, how one of Goldhammer's patients was able to overcome cancer through fasting and a diet change it's crazy the stories he shares what the pleasure trap is and how to avoid it and so much more if you're enjoying this make sure to share this with a friend that you think would be inspired as well you can just copy and paste the link wherever you're listening or use the show notes at lewishouse.com slash one one two four okay in just a moment the one and only dr alan goldhammer welcome back everyone the school Greens podcast very excited about our guest Dr. Alan Goldhammer in the house. Good to see you, sir. Nice very, to be here. Very excited about this. You're one of the leading experts on water-only fasting. And I'm I'm, I'm so fascinated by this subject because I've been doing intermittent fasting. I've been doing... Um, I've done up to three-day no-food fast before three and a half days. I'm doing a lot of 24-hour fasting. And it's been amazing to see the results I'm gaining in just the last year testing some of these things. So I'm curious... What are the insane benefits of water-only fasting? Because you've been doing this for 38 years with over 20,000 patients that have done water-only fasting. What are the main benefits? Well, you know,
1: one of the first things that we look at is that there are certain conditions that are really common today. So cardiovascular disease, high blood pressure, yes. uh, diabetes, diabetes, type stage, 2, right? autoimmune diseases where the immune system itself is attacking the body, the rheumatoid arthritis, the ulcerative colitis, the ankylosing spondylitis, the psoriasis, the eczema, these conditions where it's your own body that's kind of working against you uh-huh. and also certain types of cancer like lymphoma. And these conditions that are so common now are really thought to be unmanageable. Because, I mean, if you go to a physician with high blood pressure, they're going to give you a medication it might be a diuretic or a mm-hmm. beta block or whatever, or a combination of medications. And they're going to tell you right from the beginning, if you do what I tell you, you'll never get well. Really? You'll be on s- these meds for the rest blood of your life. life. Yeah, absolutely. they are telling you, you'll never get off these meds. You'll be on drugs forever <sighs> because they know that they're not actually dealing with the reasons that you've developed high blood pressure. The root. You're dealing with trying to manage the consequence mm-hmm. of the root. And so... Our approach is a little different because we're not interested in trying to come up with a pill, potion, or powder and tell you, well, that's
0: it, just take these drugs and suffer the consequences. Keep eating the same way, keep living the same lifestyle, keep lacking sleep, being stressed, eat all the processed foods and you'll be on these drugs for the rest of your life. Well, live normally. Yeah, right. Normal the way it is today, right.
1: Well, two thirds of people are now overweight Mm -hmm. or obese. Yeah. So being overweight is normal. If you want it, doesn't mean so it's healthy, right? You don't necessarily want to be normal if you want to be healthy, because normal or average, right now, is in in trouble, right. and it's in trouble because people are uh, under the influence of the pleasure trap. Yeah, there's this hidden force that's undermining people's health and happiness, and they
0: don't even realize it in many cases. Yeah, delayed gratification is the key. That is the way, in my opinion. Not living in the instant pleasures of today, but how can I? You know, distance myself from it as long as possible to be rewarded in other healthier, happier ways.
1: The problem, I think, is though that you are biologically designed for short term pleasure seeking self indulgent behavior.
0: Those hits, those dopamine hits.
1: Absolutely. The body, the brain rewards the body every time it engages in behavior that favors survival and reproduction. Mm. And those primary dominant behaviors are feeding behavior and sexual behavior. Because it's food and sex (laughs) that are necessary for the species to survive, to get enough to eat, to not get eaten, live long enough to reproduce. And that dopamine-driven, short-term response worked great through most of human history. But more recently, it's become a bit of a trap. And it's become a bit of a trap because we've changed our environment from an environment of scarcity, where it was really hard to get enough to eat. People struggled.
0: To abundance. And
1: now we live in an environment of abundance, and these highly processed foods
0: are so appealing because mm. they, they play off those so ancient good. mechanisms. And the salt, the sugar, the process, nature of it, it's just, mm, it's delicious, but it's not good for you.
1: Well, you have to override that biology if your goal is to survive long and well.
0: Yeah, N- not survive unwell, which is what we've trained our society to do. It's like, how can we extend our life on machines? That's not a, a well-lived life, but how can we be happy, healthy, fulfilled and then have a quick quicker death right it's like not suffer for as long as possible but live as long happy and healthy and then turn off the lights
1: well we talk about having a good life good hopefully long life but also a good death the death where one night you go to sleep and you don't wake up rather than spending the last nine point six years unable to talk or move lying Ah. in some nursing home bed waiting for people to come and change your diaper Ah. because you've had a stroke or you've had other debilitating illnesses that prevent you from actually making the last decade or two perhaps the best, most enriching right. time of your life rather than the, the worst, worst. dependent on others around you, unable to really function properly. And that's the price we pay for short-term pleasure-seeking, mm-hmm. self-indulgent behavior that you know doesn't necessarily cause an immediate problem, but definitely causes longer-term problems.
0: So what are these crazy benefits of water-only fasting? There? What are the, the main things you've seen people transform of these twenty thousand plus cases,
1: well, one of the biggest thing that fasting does it's an efficient way of undoing the consequences of dietary excess. So people mm. spend a long time uh, accumulating the consequences of dietary excess, and they can very rapidly reverse many
0: of those consequences. Such as what? What are the main things you see? So the conditions
1: reversing? like of that are caused by dietary excess. So high blood pressure, for okay. example. We did a study with 174 consecutive patients with high blood pressure, and 174 people were able to lower their pressure enough to eliminate the need for medications. The Medications for blood pressure cause chronic cough, fatigue, impotence, and premature death, and yet they're routinely used because it's not recognized that blood pressure is a reversible and containable process. Really? Fasting is an effective and efficient way of reversing and normalizing blood pressure. Now, the problem is you can't fast forever you have to feed, so you also have to learn to eat a health-promoting diet in mm. order to sustain those results. But in terms of eliminating the risk factors, eliminating the need for medication, normalizing blood pressure, you can do that very predictably with medically supervised water-only fasting.
0: What does it mean, medically supervised? When you're just drinking water, I mean, what do you need, why do you need someone there to, to watch you? Is it like right. testing with your blood sample? Is it just making sure you're not fatigued? In starvation mode? We recognize that fasting can be done
1: safely and should be done safely every day by every patient for 12 to 16 hours, depending Mm -hmm. on their goals. If they're trying to lose weight or gain weight, it may depend on the duration. But we recommend a period of 16 hours a day of fasting, 8 hours a day of feeding... And by limiting the feeding window, as uh, people like Walter Longo and others have pointed out, you may be able to induce some of the benefits that happen with long-term fasting cumulatively and uh, also prevent perhaps some of the overeating and other things that contribute to dietary excess. So everybody can and should fast every day. In fact, everybody does fast every day. Right, when you're
0: sleeping, you're not eating.
1: And you break it with breakfast in the morning. It's an interesting process. So we're talking about maybe extending that natural period daily so that you aren't necessarily eating three or four hours before you go to sleep. Mm -hmm. May improve your sleep quality, may improve digestion, may improve your uh, muscle to fat ratios over time, Mm -hmm. and may induce changes that are beneficial. The thing that we do in addition is we'll extend that period much longer. The problem when you start talking about long-term fasting, and we're fasting people anywhere from two to 40 days, on water only is that first you need to make sure that the person is an appropriate candidate for that longer term intervention. Mm -hmm. People that have certain pathology, people on medications, people that have uh, risk factors may be better off with a different approach than long term water only fasting. So first thing is a history and an examination to make sure there isn't any primary issues with kidney or cardiac function or
0: or, uh, medications that would contraindicate fasting. What happens um, to the kidneys or the liver if you're Water only fasting? So the kidneys and
1: liver are main detoxifying organs in the body, and particularly the kidneys. If kidney function uh, isn't at least at some minimal level, in our clinic we use creatinine levels of 2.0 as as an arbitrary marker. If kidney function isn't adequate, then the rapid detoxification that occurs during fasting, where the body mobilizes and eliminates both endogenous and exogenous toxins into the bloodstream and then are processed by the kidneys. If the kidneys Function isn't adequate, you could overload the kidney function and create problems there. Really? And so it's very important that people have minimal levels of clearance. And that's also the reason we make sure that people have adequate fluid intake and maintain electrolyte balance and hydration. Mm. So we're monitoring people's electrolytes so to make sure that we don't get into problems with potassium or sodium or other things, which could become a problem, especially in these longer fasts when we're going two, three, four, five
0: weeks or longer. Wow. What's the longest someone's been on a water fast with you?
1: Well, in our clinic, we limit fasting generally to 40 days. We've had a few patients we've had to go a little bit longer than that. But there's uh, evidence in the literature of patients fasting in medically controlled settings for as long as a
0: year or more. So not that we would recommend that. Is that even, just someone who's so obese that they're trying to you know, get rid of all the complications and shed the weight and all those things? There was
1: a lot of work done in the 70s and 80s in treating supreme obesity. With um, long term fasting. But even a thin male, say a 70 kilogram male, could probably fast somewhere around up to 70 days uh, if they're resting uh, during the process. Not that they should necessarily right. they do could that. could survive. But as far as uh, nutrient reserves and adequacy, the body is pretty amazing. You know, the main burner of glucose for humans is our brain. Is what? Just thinking or what? Like cognitive activities, the brain. We have this ridiculously large brain in humans, two and a half times that, say, of a chimp. Mm -hmm. It's huge, and it's our main burner of glucose. In Mm. fact, if it wasn't for our ability to change our brain fuels from sugar to fat, we we couldn't have survived as a species the way we have. Mm. Because if we had wandered away from the tropics after a week or so, if spring came late, we would have died. In fact, we did. The humans that didn't have the ability to change brain from burning sugar to burning fat weren't able to survive. We know that because today, virtually every human being has this ability to change its brain fuel from sugar, which is the normal fuel, to burning ketones or Mm -hmm. beta-hydroxybutyric acid in particular. Right. And that would suggest a biological adaptation, such an important adaptation that the species had to have it. So today humans can wander away from the tropics. Spring can come late and Mm -hmm. we can survive despite our very large brain and it's huge burning of glucose because we have this ability to fast. All we've done is taken this ancient biological process and applied it in a very unnatural situation and that is a situation of dietary excess. No Mm -hmm. other animals maintain obesity. I mean even whales who you think of as kind of fat are 9% body fat, okay? Really? Yeah, they just hold it on the outside of their... Right. Of their They're, very lean the They're lean, meat machines, like all animals do, unless they get access to hyperprocessed foods, like humans mm-hmm. eat. So if you feed human-style hyperprocessed foods to animals, they also get fat. fat. Yeah. We add chemicals to our food specifically to induce dopamine stimulation in our brain. Those, those chemicals are salt, oil, and sugar. Mm -hmm. These are not foods. They're food byproducts. They're hyper-concentrated food byproducts. They're essentially chemicals we're putting in the food that stimulate more dopamine. Dopamine is the neurochemistry associated with pleasure. The more dopamine, the more pleasure, the more we like the food. That's what good-tasting food means, (laughs) is it stimulates more dopamine production. And the, process, the consequence of, of hyperstimulating our brain with dopamine means we overeat and mm-hmm. we become obese. And that's why two-thirds of people who are overweight is because they fooled their brain with chemicals they put in their feed. It works in rats. It works with, in mice. It works in humans. Put the chemicals in their feed. They overeat. They get fat. Then they develop mm-hmm. obesity and metabolic syndrome. And if you have metabolic syndrome, you're more vulnerable to dying from heart disease, cancer, diabetes, and even in viral infectious diseases like COVID the higher your uh, metabolic syndrome increases risk of dying from all these things, mm. all these downstream consequences.
0: What about, what about olive oil or avocado oil? I hear that these good oils, these fatty oils, are supposed to help you in certain ways. Is that? Well, you have to be careful when
1: we define these, quote, good oils. Um, there are oils that are more harmful than, say, olive oil. Mm-hmm. So an oil being less harmful doesn't necessarily mean it's good. Mm. It's just less bad. So oils are all highly processed, fractionated foods with nine calories per gram and, and limited satiety feedback. So if we're talking about trying to lose or maintain optimum weight, mm. oils would have a disadvantage compared to eating your fat from whole food. Mm-hmm. So I would advocate if somebody wants avocado oil, eat avocado. Right, not the oil. Not necessarily process it down, remove the fiber a lot of the good components and be left with the oil. And the same thing is true with sugar. You need carbohydrates as a, as a primary fuel, but you eat whole food whether it's fruits or vegetables or starches, not necessarily the highly processed, hyper-processed byproducts of right, those right, right. If your goal is to avoid overeating, dietary excess,
0: obesity, and the disease of dietary excess. Right. What are the three main benefits that you see with pretty much everyone that goes through water-only fasting? Three biggest things that you see, whether it be seven or 70 days, well, you know, Is it they look younger? Is it the clearer skin? Is it they're burning fat? Is it they're, internally their cells are changing? What's the three main benefits you see? It's hard to different. There's so many benefits. I'm, it'd be hard to say which are the three. Down, but I can
1: talk about some of the benefits yeah. that we see. Certainly, you see weight loss. You can't help that. Right. The laws of physics and thermodynamics <laughs> say if you don't eat, you're going to lose weight. And we know that weight loss is about a pound a day. Now that pound of a day, day a that's correct. Only. average weight loss is a pound a day. Now some of that's water, right. some of it's protein, some of it's fiber, some of it's glycogen and some of it's fat. And of that fat, some of it's adipose tissue, some of it's, of it's visceral fat.
0: The visceral now, is what you want to burn, right? Well visceral
1: get- fat is the one that's most associated with pathology. In fact, probably shouldn't be very much visceral fat. Visceral fat's what happens when the body has no place else to put fuel and so you'll store some additional visceral fat. And the higher the visceral fat, generally the, the worse you off are, right. simplistically speaking. Right. And so we just did a study where we took um, a DEXA scanner that has software that allows to do um, precise whole body composition. So not just how much fat and protein there is, but how much visceral fat there is. Internally and, and externally, right? Exactly, so the visceral fat, typically you think about uh, an apple or a in the yeah. belly and it, it, around the organs, that internal fat. So there's a lot of visceral fat around the organs as
0: well, yes. right, that is not good for you. Yeah, that's not thought to be very it's not. Good. I mean, the belly fat that people see is not good, obviously, right. but the stuff that's surrounding all the organs is, you don't want to have a lot of that fat, right? That's correct. Okay. And so the question is, what can you do to get rid of it? And mm-hmm. any
1: type of dieting will cause various types of body changes, but the approach that's shown the most effective at mobilizing visceral fat is actually fasting. Fasting is the, mo- the highest ratio of visceral fat to uh, adipose tissue mobilization. For example, a typical uh, p- patient in this study might lose uh, 20% of their fat, but would lose over 50% of their visceral fat during a couple weeks of fasting, even though they only lose 4% of their lean tissue. And what's mm-hmm. even more exciting is we look at, okay, what happens during fasting? Let's say, for example, a person loses 10 pounds, and we know... Some of that is water, some of it's fiber glycogen, some of it's adipose tissue, some of it's visceral fat. Then what happens after fasting? So you lose 10 pounds, you might regain 5 pounds. Right. You're going to gain about 2 pounds of glycogen because you have gly- uh, sugar stores in your muscles that will be depleted within a couple days of fasting. Mm-hmm. You're going to rehydrate because there's a little right. physiological dehydration during fasting. You're going to put fiber back into your gut mm-hmm. because your gut's not going to have had... Uh, fiber being added to it. You're going to uh, pump up your muscle cells again because right. you will have depleted a little bit you of glucose more in work. order to maintain the glucose, the core glucose that your brain needed. And you're going to uh, theoretically put back on fat. But after fasting, assuming a person adopts a whole plant food SOS-free diet, what we found was weight comes off, weight comes back on. But the weight that comes back on is glycogen, water, fiber, and protein, not, not fat. 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 Fat continues to drop. I like yeah. that. <laughs> so like we that. have... We've been able to show, and this study will be coming out later this year, uh, exactly what happens. And then we followed people at six weeks, brought them back in, reanalyzed them, and we're, we're able to demonstrate that not only can people lose their fat and
0: visceral fat, But they can continue to lose their fat, visceral fat, even free living, eating health promoting. So the scale will go up some, but the fat will not go up. That's correct. So you got to you got to trick your mind and say, well, I'm not gaining all this weight. Like you're gaining the necessary weight that your body needs to be stronger, so you can have an active lifestyle and all these things. but not the fat back. Keep in mind, it's not weight per se uh, that's the threat. It's excess fat. So Mm -hmm. for example, if
1: you work out, you might gain 10 or 20 pounds Mm -hmm. of lean tissue over time. Mm -hmm. That's not necessarily compromising your health just because you, quote, gained weight. Now, if you sit around on the couch and eat greasy, fatty, slimy, dead, decaying flesh, and highly processed foods, and put on a lot of fat, particularly visceral fat, gain that same 20 pounds, That might be a problem. Right. So we want to be careful not to be thinking just in terms of weight, Mm -hmm. but in terms of body composition. Okay. So the idea is to lower the fat, not necessarily lower the muscle, though. For many people, particularly as people age, they go through sarcopenia, they can lose muscle mass. Having more muscle mass is thought to be health-promoting and protective to a certain extent.
0: Yeah, yeah. How often do you do a water-only fast?
1: And what's I your that range that you
0: do? Everybody should do
1: a water-only fast every day from twelve to sixteen hours. Sixteen hours a day, okay. water only. Now okay. Then we go into
0: yep. feeding. Okay. A eight full, hour
1: window. Eight hour window of whole plant foods: so fruits, vegetables, grains, legumes, nuts, seeds, foods, whole foods. Are you are you vegan? Uh, I am. I don't uh-huh. use animal foods yep. uh, in my diet. I, I'm sixty-two. I started uh, on a great. whole plant food diet at sixteen, so I've had really? the opportunity to do it for a lot of years. Yeah. Sixteen. Yes. Wow,
0: that's inspiring.
1: Yeah, well, it was out of uh, uh, desperation. Really? I wanted to beat my best friend, Doug Lyle, in basketball. And I couldn't beat him when I practiced, and I really worked at it. But (laughs) I thought if I got, you know, if I really got healthy, maybe I could get an edge. And so I read a book. It happened to be by Herbert Shelton. And he said that health was the result of healthful living. It was about diet, sleep, exercise, Mm. and that fasting could also be useful. And I thought, well, I'll give that a try. This I'll was forty him. something years ago. Yeah, forty-six years ago, and of course it failed because it turned out he adopted the same type of diet lifestyle. He still just destroys me every time we play. Really? So I'm hoping though that maybe he'll age out a little quicker. Once <laughs> we get into our eighties, maybe. Wow! We'll finally, you go guys are beat still him. friends. Oh yeah, you we still play. play. Yeah, and he's yeah he's actually the psychologist at the Turner Health, Health Center. Amazing! So. Oh yeah, no we we play yeah every day you know every week we're we're playing basketball. And you so. still can't
0: beat him. No. Okay, one day. One day. One day. One, day. <laughs> one day. Sometimes it doesn't matter how healthy you are. Someone just might be a little taller, stronger, or more skilled. Well, I'll give you an example. You know, I thought, you know, he's quick.
1: He's, he's a really good basketball player. And I thought, okay, he's got some skills I don't have. But, you know, free throws are just practice. Yeah. So I got some coaching. And I thought, I'm just going to. And I'm shooting 500 free throws a day. And oh you know, I'm my working really hard. And, I, and, of course, you know, he's only playing once in a while. Right, time. right. And so one day I say, hey, Doug, let's uh, do a free throw shooting contest. And he's like, okay. Okay. You crush him. 48 out of 50, right? And I think, I got him. He, he hits not. 19, he misses one, It's hits 80 in a row. Oh, my goodness. That's a Which f- obviously means he's a choke, because, you know, if you can hit 99 out of 100, that's why don't crazy. you just hit
0: 100? That's crazy. I know. He's Well, he's a mutant. 99 out of I don't even know anyone's ever done that yeah, before. It's well, amazing.
1: He's, he's, a, that's, this is the person I've
0: been trying to compete against. That's, so it's like, <laughs> yeah, a mutant, I love it. Um, well, how, so you're saying 16 hours a day, everyone should do water only. Now, you're going to say something very controversial here. What about those that love their coffee and water? If I'm going to go a three-day water only fast, can I add coffee, black coffee, bulletproof coffee? Can I, can I do this or will it ruin the whole fast? Well, it's not going to ruin uh, the whole fast. But here's the thing with
1: caffeine, which is a highly addictive nervous system stimulant is, it, you know, it has a 17-hour half-life. It affects sleep quality. Even the coffee and the caffeine that you're consuming early in the day can affect quality of sleep. It can be really caustic and irritating to the stomach, not just mm. the caffeine, but the coffee itself. Oh. So there's a lot of things to question about whether this is really a health-promoting habit. The other thing is a lot of people are using coffee for its caffeine because they're not getting enough sleep. Right, so and they so need it. If yeah. you stop the caffeine, you go through, like any addict, drug withdrawal, Okay, and it can be quite severe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once you get free... Uh, of that, you may find that now you're able to get the quality and quantity of sleep you need, so the need for using a highly addictive nervous system still may be reduced somewhat. So um, now the fact is it is a plant-based product, so there are still some redeeming uh, properties and it's not completely devoid of any uh, uh, nutrition, Uh, but I think that the negatives outweigh the
0: positives from my viewpoint. Uh, for using that type of product as a as a component, and, and a have people product. in your clinic said, "Okay, I'm going to do seven days water, but I'm going to have coffee every day also." And are they able to get similar results? Well,
1: or? we don't use any type of highly addictive drugs with patients when they're when they're fasting. So we we have a controlled Got setting. It. You know, Got so it. They're, okay. They're using you know
0: distilled water in a controlled setting. And that's setting. it. So, yeah, that's Just it. Just <laughs> pure water, distilled water. water. Seven that's, days. That's how we do. No it. No food. Some electrolytes in there or something or. No, actually, electrolytes are recycled efficiently during fasting. So we monitor
1: electrolytes, but ah. we're not supplementing electrolytes. So there's
0: nothing added to the water. There's no... nothing added to the
1: water for five to forty days duration of the of the fast. Yes, and we've been able. Now people say, "Well, that is it safe? Is it safe?" Well, we've answered that question because we've done a study. We've done an actual fasting safety study where we took all the subjects that went through the process for five years, evaluated all of their uh, symptoms and adverse events. Uh, documented that and published that in a study that's available on our website, and people can look at that and yeah. find. And it turns out that yes, in fact, fasting when it's supervised in a controlled setting can be done safely and effectively, uh, even for periods up to forty
0: days. Wow! So, what's what's the the pattern you use on a monthly? But you do sixteen hour water only, but then are you doing? one day a month, one day a week, or for 24 hours. 16 hours every day yep. and eight hours of feeding. And then once a
1: year, we'll fast uh, a week or two, depending on you know, really? the individual and how they're doing. Well, what will you do? A week a year. If, assuming at a week that there's no symptoms that show up from fasting, then that's the end of it. And I hate fasting. Right. You cannot play basketball. You have to Can't rest. Do anything. It's, oh, it's terrible. So it's not something that we would want to wish on somebody uh, excessively. On the other hand, it can be a very effective way of in both helping sick people recover, but also I believe in helping healthy people stay that way. Really, I think that the people that may get ultimately the most benefit from fasting are healthy people that use it preventatively that want to stay healthy. The difference is that in a person that lives a healthy lifestyle, fasting is much less entertaining. It's a much less dynamic process. People don't have a lot of the symptoms that people that are sick Getting well half. Because
0: what I've heard you say before is that um, you can't really work out while you're doing a water fast. Even if it's a 24-hour fast, is it okay to move some or do you really need the benefits of rest while you're drinking water? Well, fast? we recommend that people limit their routine fasting to 16
1: hours because the problem is, is mm. you get beyond 16 hours and you start depleting glycogen stores. Now you're going to force more gluconeogenesis. So I think the goal is in non-supplemented fasting, uh, To fast within those reserves, maximize fat loss and rest recovery, and minimize gluconeogenesis. Um, Now, some people do modified fasting where they can be more active because they're getting 600 calories or 700 calories, and so they have a little bit more uh, flexibility in terms of the amount of activity they might undergo. That's not the approach that we're we're taking. So, in our clinic, we're we're using these patients are average two to three weeks as much as 40 days. And usually there's a reason, they're either a healthy person trying to stay healthy, but more likely they have high blood pressure, they have diabetes, they have autoimmune disease, they have lymphoma, wow. they wanna get well. They're willing to do anything, even eat well and exercise and go to bed on time. <laughs> right. Really radical stuff. It's,
0: it's been years or decades of suffering probably, or pain or some type of stress. We get what I believe are highly
1: motivated people. Mm. And the best motivation in my experience is pain and fear of death. That's it. That's who's willing to do these. You know, they say it's really radical because radical does mean radicus or root or cause. And we're actually trying to get to the reason why people are getting sick. So we're not talking about the leading causes of death. We're talking about the actual causes of death, the reason people get the heart disease, cancer, the stroke, mm. not treating it after they've developed it thinking that somehow that's going to be the whole answer, but actually trying to understand why is it this problem has arisen and what can they do to undo the consequences of their dietary excess.
0: When you see people do a two- to four-week fast, do you physically see transformation from eczema to no eczema or a minimal eczema afterwards or autoimmune disease? Do you see it drastically changing? Is it small changes that it's going to take multiple times over a year or years what do you typically see when well, you see someone coming in? it varies,
1: you know, from patient to patient. For example, we recently published a paper in the British Medical Journal of a case of a young woman who came in with follicular lymphoma stage three, which is a type of lymph cancer, had large palpable tumors involving her upper and lower. Internally? Well, you could even feel them externally. They were oh, large man. enough. These are in the lymph glands. So when they're very large, you can feel oh, them. Oh, man. You can also see them on CAT scan. She had excisional biopsy. It was well documented. Oh, wow. So we ended up fasting her for 21 days. And by three weeks of fasting, you couldn't feel the tumor no anymore. come on. Ten days of recovery, back to uh, her oncologist for uh, CT scans. Make a long story short, this woman was able to completely resolve her stage three follicular lymphoma. At a year, we had a whole body CT. We were able to show that she's completely free of cancer. We have a three year follow up. And the case report and the follow-up are published in the British Medical Journal Case Reports. You can, you can go onto our website and take a look there. It's exquisitely carefully detailed. Since then, including at our clinic right now, we have other patients with follicular lymphoma, including one gentleman right now is stage four follicular lymphoma who's had preliminarily good results. He's on his second fast now. We did a previous fast last year. We've gotten significant improvement. We're now doing another fast. Only this fast is going to be 40 days, oh my gosh. and we're hoping that we can get the same kind of clearing, resolution, and long-term stability. Once we've published enough case reports in in the form of a cohort, we'll be able to then hopefully justify a clinical trial. We wow. believe we're going to do real well with this particular type of cancer because our clinical observation is that it consistently is responding. Wow. Now, it may not be the same thing when you talk about a solid organ tumor, a lung cancer different type of cancer may respond completely Mm -hmm.
0: differently. Brain cancer, things like that, yeah. Yeah, Especially brain cancer. It's hard, huh?
1: Well, brain masses are not um, as responsive, possibly because of the way the body mobilizes things in fasting and the blood-brain barrier and some of the limitations to be able to get access to it. So you can't just say cancer is cancer. It's not all the same. And you can't say the same person with the same condition is going to respond the same. Mm -hmm. In answer to your question, some people like her, it's really dramatic where one fast, Big change. But I've also had people where it's the third fast before we see those big clinically significant. And I also have people that do everything right and we're still suffering and not responding. And we can't always predict who's going to respond, who's not going to respond. That's part of the research that we're doing is trying to figure out how do you predict who's going to respond the most, how long are they going to need to fast, when are they done fasting. Mm. Even non-invasive biological markers are not readily available because nobody up till now has been doing much research with
0: long-term water fasting. How much does the belief in your mindset that this fast will heal or help prevent or help uh, you know, create more healing for me? How much does the mindset, the thought process on a daily basis that I'm healing myself, this water is cleansing my body, whatever the mind is telling versus, I don't know if this is going to work and what am I doing this for? How much do you believe the mind manipulates the healing process? So I think
1: that, Attitude is very important because it determines action. But it's the action you take that determines the outcome. Mm. So just having good thoughts, I don't think, is enough to get the job done. But if having good thoughts and having a good attitude allows you to be motivated to do what it takes to get well, it's critical. We typically only work with people that have a good attitude because they wouldn't come to us otherwise. Mm -hmm. We have highly motivated, self-selected patients that are willing to do really radical things like eat well exercise, sleep. sleep, and and fast. You know, the fact is most people are think if they get in a plane in New York and they go all the way to California, they will die from starvation over Colorado. They think those pretzels saved their lives. Right.
0: right, They don't so know. it's salt in those pretzels.
1: <laughs> it's probably the, so we know differently. We know that uh, the fact is the body is really good at, at adapting to mm-hmm. uh, the fasting state, particularly Appropriate people in a resting state, and yeah. they can do it safely. We've done it over twenty thousand times in patients. Many of them are elderly and ill, mm. and yet of the twenty thousand people that have walked in, twenty thousand people have walked out. Yeah. And you know, we're really trying to maintain those safety records. So of course. we try really hard only to work with
0: people that we expect to have uh, an acceptable outcome. So if someone's not uh, coming to your clinic and they want to try this on their own, yes, what would you say is? a good window of time to try on your own at home without medical, um, you know, safety, I guess, or, or, or someone watching over you. What is it? Is it 24 hours? Is it three days? Is yeah. it four days? So I days? really believe that everybody should try to do this on their
1: own for up to 16 hours every day, but consistently right. do right. it day after day after day. And I think that cumulatively, you can safely and effectively get the accumulation uh, from intermittent fasting without putting yourself uh, in a situation where you have to go in have a medical evaluation, uh, get a doctor that'll be able to establish baseline data, and then monitor you through the process. And I think what happens, particularly for people that are on medications, you can really muck yourself up. For example, let's say you're on steroid medications, or you're on anticoagulant medications, or you're on... Uh, dysrhythmia medications. Even a 48-hour period of fasting can be a really complicating factor because you don't fast on medications, you don't want to arbitrarily discontinue medications. It really is unfortunately a process that's best done with the right people in 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 a... So if you're on Medicaid,
0: so you don't want to stop your medication to fast for two days. Right. And don't you don't do want to fast on medications for two You don't days. want to keep taking medicine and, and not no, food. because no,
1: the medications that may be okay in a f- feeding state may be very much more of a problem right. after you get into the fasting. So our recommendation is fast every day for 16 mm-hmm. hours. Eat clean in those eight hours. Yes. And then if it's appropriate, you know, longer-term fasting can be considered. If people would like to know whether long-term fasting is useful, there's a really simple thing that doesn't cost them anything, then go onto our website, complete registration forms, and give me a call. I'll talk to them. It doesn't cost them anything. You and if they're, where, depending where they live, we can send them to doctors that are trained mm. in fasting supervision near them. They can help them go through the process safely and effectively. And if they're not
0: a good candidate, we can let them know that maybe there's alternatives mm-hmm. to water-only fasting. For those that are healthy, not on medication, you know, younger, just trying to optimize their life and test things, what do you say? 48 hours, three days, five days? What's like, okay, you can be fine for three days doing it? So
1: that, that would depend on whether they can rest during the process. If they're going to be really active, they really would be better off limiting their fasting to 16 hours and then go through feeding. Now, what Valter Longo and others do is they have recommendations of calorie limited modified fasting where they give people 750 calories Mm -hmm. for five days. Uh, And um, that seems to be able to be done safely. It doesn't require the same degree of modification of medications and other things. So I would say look at Walter Longo's book and look at his approach to modified regime. I wouldn't recommend our more radical approach. Our approach is really better done for people that are when we're doing long-term fasting done in a controlled setting. Got it.
0: Okay. But if I wanted to try it on my own, you think two three. days is fine? Well, I think that you should three do days. 16 hours every day. I'm doing that already. Eat you a know, whole Pretty plant, much. food, SOS, um, three um, diet, in the other that. eight hours. I need to do that. And then
1: at some point, you should come in, take a week off, do a fast at True <sighs> North, and let's do a show from you fasting. Let's oh, show man. people what they actually the experience in a hopefully healthy individual. Seven days? Like. Whatever seems to be appropriate for you. We have to figure it out. I can't that. work out? You, that is the biggest challenge. You'd have to limit
0: <laughs> yourself to stretching, yoga, mild activity during your fast. Do you work still, or are you just like I'm just relaxing, watching TV all day, drinking water?
1: Well, actually, we have a pretty active educational program. We have people go through three classes a day. We have really? videos. Oh, so edu- it's like I'm in
0: a dorm, I'm in a hotel, and I'm in a process. Well, program. you have
1: you have your, you have a private room, but you we have a, it's a, there's a community in the controlled what? setting. Where you have to get <laughs> you know what I call brainwashing, what everybody else calls education, and the sure, idea is to sure. really help fine tune people's attitudes towards diet, sleep, exercise, and the things that you need to keep doing after you leave so that you can sustain the long-term results and make
0: us look good. Where is this based? We're in Santa Rosa, California. It's about an hour north of San Francisco. Okay. So people come into this clinic and then they stay for a week to weeks. Anywhere from a week to, some cases, as long as a year. And they're... Getting educated every day, <laughs> you just say, here's your food for the day?" <laughs> like, how oh, many glasses do I get? Yeah. Is there like a dessert water? There, like, <laughs> we go through forty,
1: at least forty ounces of water a day. Forty ounces of water, yeah, minimum. What is that? Forty ounces is about. Many, well, it depends on the size are, of your
0: glass. but how many t- it, it, tall glasses? That's
1: twelve, so it's gonna at least get four. At least four of those. Enough, enough, so that you can maintain. Wait a minute. So only four glasses of water? Minimum four. Could okay. be as much water as your thirst indicates. Really. So the idea is we we don't want to make you a you're not a bloated. <laughs> a, the problem <laughs> is with if you drink excessively, you can flush your electrolytes. So you know there is water intoxication that oh occurs gosh. if you just uh, drink obsessively. But so we want enough water to maintain normal specific gravity. So we're monitoring your blood and your urine and make sure you're in target. If you get a little dehydrated, we might say, well, let's get an extra glass of water. <laughs> if you're drinking too much water, where electrolytes get a little low, we might say, let's let's keep it you know, keep from getting too carried
0: away. So what happens? Every day I'm getting tested with urine and blood sample or what's... So we're, we, our, our doctors examine patients at least twice a day. So we're taking
1: vitals and evaluating wow. how they're doing. We're monitoring blood and urine. And... Um,
0: stool also? I guess there's no stool after... Well,
1: you're not going to be passing stool once you stop after eating. two
0: days, I yeah, guess.
1: once right you empty the bowels because you're not putting... Because uh, when... Think about what is stool. It's uh, undigested fi- fiber, circle of and some stuff from the liver, and mostly bacteria. So there's going to be a massive change in bacteria during fasting. In fact, that's one of the big benefits of fasting is you know you have five pounds of bacteria in your gut right now. Five pounds of waste. A trillion creatures. No, I'm talking it's crazy. about bacteria, not I just know. waste. You have a trillion creatures eating, drinking and defecating inside you right now. Ah. They're <laughs> pooing inside you. And what they poo in you? Depends on what you're feeding. Is it a healthy
0: bacteria or unhealthy? Well, if you're
1: feeding them a lot of animal products, you're going to have much higher TMA than people that eat a lot of plant-based... TMA is... Trimethylamine... Well, it becomes TMAO, which is trimethylamine oxidase, which irritates animal lining of your vessels. And maybe one of the reasons people get more colon cancer and heart disease when they're on high animal product diets than plant eaters that tend to have less. If you feed your bacteria um, soluble soluble fiber like sweet potatoes, you're Mm -hmm. going to get, you know... Vitamin K and fertilizer, so if you want more fertilizer and less toxic waste, you want to minimize the highly processed foods and animal foods, maximize the whole natural plant foods, you get a different flora, and that's thought to be protective of your immune system, reduce your risk for colon cancer, help you resist viral infections, maintain Mm. better weight. There's a lot of stuff that's just coming out now about the changes in the microbiome as a consequence of diet and also fasting. We've actually done a study where we looked at stool samples before fasting, early fasting, and then after recovery, looking at the changes in microbiome that occur in fasting. So, you know, there's a lot of interest in mm. what exactly this, the body does, not to only the thousand different strains of bacteria, but what they're giving off. Right. And so lots to learn. A lot of the stuff that we're doing now really virgin data because not very many people have had a chance to look at people with long-term water fasting
0: and what happens physiologically. What's the minimum I could go to your
1: facility? <laughs> there really is no minimum, because some people will fast even just a few days. That may be all that's necessary. Okay. So you never know exactly what's ideal till you see how the person responds. Uh. And some people really aren't good candidates for fasting, so they might come to True North, but they wouldn't be water fasting. We might do a modified feeding regime or just healthy eating, exercise, appropriate supportive care. We wow. also have doctors of chiropractic, osteopathy, naturopathy, acupuncture. There's a lot of people who have problems that aren't all nutrition-based. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes they have more mechanical problems. So we would approach it from
0: a similar philosophy, but not necessarily only fasting. Right. I've heard from uh, Dr. Jason Fung that he says fasting has been shown to, I don't know if it's reverse or eliminate or really support type 2 diabetes. I don't know, is there a lot more research on this or is this accurate about what you've seen in your, your studies? Yeah. Well, we treat, there's
1: two types of diabetes. There, the type one diabetics that don't make insulin is one type. Those people would not be good candidates for fasting because mm. insulin is a part of the adaptive process of fasting. So a type one diabetic or a, a type one and a half diabetic, they're not producing enough insulin, can become ketoacidotic, get into dehydration. It can be a really complicated mess. They've got to eat. Uh, mess. Yeah. So. They have to maintain um, tighter insulin and glucose controls than sometimes would be uh, inherent with water-only fasting if they don't make insulin. Okay, type two diabetics, which is what most diabetics are, make enough insulin. In fact, they make more insulin. It's not working. And what's the cause of type 2 diabetes? Insulin resistance. And insulin resistance is caused by the diet that makes you fat. It's not even just the fat. Obesity is associated with it, but it's the diet that makes you fat that causes insulin resistance, which is why our type 2 diabetics, long before they've lost all their fat, begin normalizing their blood sugar levels. They may still be overweight, but their blood sugar levels come um, barreling down because the they stop the diet that's making them fat. In fact, some of our patients just in preparing for fasting, we have to be really careful with their medication regulation because they start normalizing even before we get started with the fasting just by making the dietary changes. Mm. So, And then once we start fasting, uh, blood sugar levels come down, insulin levels are normalized. After fasting, assuming we adopt a whole plant food SOS-free diet, get involved in SOS-free. salt, oil, and sugar. SOS is the international symbol of danger, yeah. and it stands for salt, oil, and sugar, the chemicals added to food that make people fat, sick, and miserable. It's salt, oil, and sugar additions to the food that is why people are being fooled, fooling their satiety mechanisms, getting yeah.
0: in the pleasure trap, and developing obesity and type 2 diabetes. The, the, also known as the SAD diet, the standard American diet, right?
1: Yeah, so... The SAD uh,
0: diet. <laughs> if, we,
1: uh, if we use fasting to normalize insulin function, normalize blood sugar levels, and then adopt a health-promoting diet and exercise program, we can sustain that. And about 80% of our type 2 diabetics will achieve normal sugar levels without medications after a single fast. Some of those that have more resistance may need to do additional fasting or if you
0: can't get them down to optimum weight within the context of uh, initial fast, you may take a little longer. For those that are coming in with who are on medications, What are the average, would you say, medications that people are taking, who are taking medications? And then within three to six months after fasting, what is the average that they're taking afterwards, medications?
1: So let's talk about high blood pressure first. You know, people may be on a a simple diuretic like hydrochlorothiazide, or they may be on as many as five medications. Some of our patients come in capped out on medications, 220 over 120. Wait, wait, wait. Some of them were in two, no, five medications yes. capped out with the systolic blood pressure is as much as 220 okay. and diastolic as much as 120. So we see some very severe hypertensive patients. But in the study we did of 174 patients, 174 patients had pressure low enough to eliminate the need for all medication. Really? The average effect of stage three hypertension, so people who started 180 or higher on systolic blood pressure their average drop will be 60 points. It's 60 points plus the fact that they're often baselined on meds. They're, none of them are on medications if they fasted. By definition, we've eliminated all right, medication. They're not, and they don't yeah. need to go back on medications if they're yeah. willing to do the diet and lifestyle. And obviously, if they go back to the salty, fatty yes. processed
0: food, they can eventually develop obesity and, Interesting. and blood pressure So high again. blood pressure is 100% related to food.
1: Essential hypertension is not 100% related okay. to food, but it's 100% manageable with diet and lifestyle.
0: You know, right. sleep, stressed and overwhelmed, exercise, stress management also can be an important role for many people. But most people believe that you can't reverse high blood pressure, you just have to be on medication forever. Isn't that well, right? Well, people
1: can't reverse hypertension unless they're willing to do diet, sleep, exercise, and lifestyle modifications But modification. then you can reverse it.
0: Yes, you can reverse you it. Can In fact, you can
1: almost always reverse it. We don't see people with essential hypertension that don't normalize their pressure if they're willing to do these types of interventions. Now if they don't come down, usually it's because something's been missed and they actually have secondary hypertension. There's nephrosclerosis, there's some kind of other pathology, Mm. and so we have to do more detailed imaging to find out what is it that was, you know, been overlooked. I would say that at any one time we have an average of about 70 patients undergoing care at the center. We have at least 20 hypertensive patients, and it would in a, in a, any given year we might not have any of those typical patients and won't be able to lower their pressure uh, enough to sustain
0: it without medication. So of these, this test you did of I think you said 170, there you said, 174 patients. They all had medication coming in. Is that right? Not all of
1: them were medicated. Most. All of them were had sustained pressures of 140. Or 90 or higher wow. and all of the ones that were medicated were unmedicated by the time they we were stopped afterwards all, all of our patients stop because they can't fast if we don't get them off the meds now sometimes we may have to feed them for a week uh-huh. to be able to, to wean their meds down because we don't like starting fasting if the person's at 220 we're not going to initially start we're going to mm-hmm. feed them wean them wind them and then once we get below 160 we can start fasting
0: and then how, how many weeks of water fasting is that typically until they're Completely off the meds. So it and...
1: ranges from 5 to 40 days. Uh-huh. But the typical hypertensive patient is going to fast somewhere between 2 and 3 weeks. Gotcha. Now, during that time, they're going to lose 25 pounds. They're going to They're going to look educated. 10 years younger. They're going to feel
0: better. Yeah, you know.
1: Have energy, focus, get They clarity. better because otherwise, you know, they're going to get really mad at us because fasting is not a lot of fun. You have to take time off work. You have to rest. It's, right. you know, although it's getting a little bit better. You know, one big thing that's happened recently. Is this idea that it's okay for people to, you know, like work from home? Mm-hmm. Because what's happened is a lot of times people could take a couple of weeks off to come in and fast, but they couldn't stay long enough to properly recover, so we couldn't fast them, because we need about half the length of fast recovering. Well, now what happens? They come in and fast, but while they're recovering, they can work. They can work because we've got like a really w- robust Wi-Fi system. That's great. And they can work. In fact, I have one guy. He only works fast. He comes in once a year. He fast.
0: He's a writer. He writes better when he's fasting, and the you're rest focused. of the time I don't think he does
1: much of anything. <laughs> you're
0: you're you can get in the zone so much better. I I've seen and you can stay there longer because you're not thinking about I need to go eat. I'm going to snack on something. I'm I'm, you know, tired now from eating. My my digestive system is using all the energy. The energy is focused on creation. It can is, be. It, it can be. A lot <laughs> unless of unless you're exhausted and tired. But yeah, yeah. I think that you know
1: uh, recovery uh, is much. Uh, is, is, has been a lot easier now to get people to stay appropriately for recovery because they're not necessarily have to not, Go not be work. working. Yeah, And, uh, you know, that's are actually... Are they allowed to work a while
0: bit. they're fasting there?
1: Oh, uh, it depends on how long they fast and who they are. Some people yeah. are doing shorter fasts, they're going to be fine. Other people really are better off getting the rest they need.
0: Because the more brain power you're using... It's your main burner of glucose. You're burning more calories and you don't want to burn more excess calories, right? Because if you burn excess calories, then you have to mobilize more protein through gluconeogenesis to sustain the extra glucose needs. So if you're... Water only fasting, how many calories do you want to be burning a day? What range is that?
1: Well when you're water-only fasting, once you've adapted to the fasting process, there's around five or six hundred calories of kind of core glucose that's used by the muscles in the brain. Sugar that's being burned. Right. Five hundred so calories. Most of your a day. brain activity is converting to burning ketones. So most of your burns burning fat. But there's still a little bit of glucose that's needed uh-huh. by the brain and for the muscles. And so if you are too active and you make your muscles burn more fuel, and it, the only way it can get extra glucose during fasting, because your glycogen is already burned up, is is breaking down protein. And that's the process muscle. of gluconeogenesis exactly. You don't want to do that. No, you, you prefer not to do to keep your protein,
0: because then you got to build it back up.
1: And if you rest when you fast, you do. You preserve protein, you maximize fat conversion, um, and then when you recover, you pump your muscle cells
0: back up, but you don't pump your fat cells back up, because you're eating a whole plant food diet. So if I want to do a... You know, a 36-hour fast where I have a dinner, uh, let's say, on a Sunday night, and then I go through Tuesday morning, and I just have water. No coffee, just water. You would recommend not working out. You'd recommend not working or doing very light, relaxing stuff, not heavy decision-making and in uh, creation mode. Fasting and resting. Is the key. So we'll always go together. So resting looks like what? Is that on the couch watching some movies and just chilling reading a book or is reading a book too much activity for the brain what is that so for interesting sleeping all day
1: yeah so certainly getting us getting caught up on your sleep deprivation particularly you know if you've been addicted to caffeine it's likely you have some sleep debt and so catching up on sleep may be a good thing um passive activities like we we do a lot of uh, video education because we find when people are fasting particularly early phase fasting they may they may uh not want to be uh, doing heavy concentration that comes with reading, but absorb it a little bit better right, passively. Right. Um, a little bit of sun, a little bit of gentle stretching, a little bit of meditation. Hopefully, pleasant company with other people that are not energy
0: vampires. So some good conversations are fine. That's not absolutely. That's not draining on the brain. But maybe you don't want to be spending all your time watching news about all the no. worst things that
1: could happen in people's lives. But and, you can watch a couple
0: writing. fun movies, have some great conversation. Be in the sun, stretch a little, relax. But anything beyond that you're saying could be detrimental to the process. We
1: actually have a Roku channel, uh, True North Health. It's a free Roku channel of people. We have a bunch of content on there that we keep adding. And so people can go on to the, the Roku channel and watch uh, like all of that. our content.
0: <laughs> I like that. Um, so if I was to do that, you're saying anything, with, if I added physical activity, if I trained and did a 24 to 36 hour I think Wanna that would, you know that
1: wouldn't be what we recommend. Uh, what we'd recommend: first, make sure that you're a good candidate. Right. Uh, and if you're going to fast, you'd rest. If you're going to be working out, then I would recommend perhaps you look at Walter Longo's right. approach or Fasting, people that are making
0: diet. Exactly. Okay, 700, 500 okay. calories. You're going to move right. a little bit and that's going to burn some of that sugar or it's going to give you some more energy to burn, I guess, right? That's not an area
1: that we've researched. So I really can't speak definitively. I'd really defer to the guys that are advocating sure, sure, those sure. fasting mimicking programs. I know it's inconvenient. It's not what people want to hear, right. but there's almost nothing we tell people that they want to hear. It's no. what we tell them what they need to know to get and stay healthy. So if you're going to do long-term fasting and you use our protocol, you can do it safely and effectively. Um, you know, it's interesting because I, I noticed that Longo in his book tells people don't do long-term fasting because it could be dangerous, but does make a caveat
0: for people fasting at the Truett Health Center because he knows the protocol that really? they're following. Really, uh, that's good. That's great. What are the the negative effects or potential negative effects of water-only fasting? Well, if it's
1: done inappropriately, uh, one of the negative effects could be death. So there's a process of uh, fasting and then if you continue to fast beyond that process, it's called starvation and then you die. And so that's why we would never do that. That would really be bad for our outcome data. So we're always very careful to always stick to the fasting where people have labile reserves and don't fast them so excessively that they become depleted. Electrolyte depletion uh, 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 could result in myocardial problems, kidney problems. There's a problem if you fast for a long period of time and then too rapidly refeed, a refeeding syndrome that can occur Mm -hmm. that can also be... You know, very make you very sick or could kill you. So, you know, it, it, when fasting is done according to these protocols, it's safe and effective. When it's done excessively, like anything, could be a very uh, a dangerous process, and particularly for people that are not healthy, that are on medications, you know, that could become uh, you know a significant problem. Not just the fasting, but the complication of ma- uh, manipulating their medications.
0: And so, if I'm if I'm doing a twenty four hour water only fast, relaxing what's the feeding process look like after that? It's probably okay after 24 hours to get back into normal foods, but I'm assuming anything over two, three, five days, there's a different feeding process, right? Probably the most important part of
1: fasting is careful refeeding. That's why we do it in an inpatient setting for half the length of the fast. So let's just take, for example, a 10-day water fast. Mm -hmm. Um, For every 10 days of fasting, we would have one day of uh, fresh juices, so it might be uh, carrot, sorry, apple juice, watermelon, celery. The, first, the first day. The first day, they'd have 12 ounces every uh, three or four hours through the first day, just juices, no fiber, so we kind of reactivate the system. and Then there would be a day of raw fruit and vegetables, so they'd do some fruit and salad materials, again, very low caloric density, mm-hmm. get a little bit of fiber introduced. Then we would introduce more concentrated foods, perhaps like steamed vegetables, but very... Softer. Uh, Yeah, so your broccoli and cauliflower and string beans and kale and things like this are relatively easy. And then assuming everything's going well, we would introduce a day with maybe more starchy vegetables, your Hubbard squash, Mm -hmm. your butternut, kombucha, etc. In addition to some salad, in addition to the other materials. And then more complex carbohydrates or whatever's appropriate for that individual. So it takes half the length of the fast Mm. through careful programmed refeeding. When we do that, we don't get refeeding syndrome. We don't get all the things that people talk about with complication. I'll give you another example that can happen. People fast for a few days and then they go out and eat, say, soup in a restaurant. It's really the salt. salty. They can get post-fasting edema where their legs swell up. It really no freaks way. them out. Oh, yeah. The leg it's, swells up? Oh, you can get like, especially longer term oh, wow. fasting, not so much a day. Yeah, but gotcha. As they do longer term fasting, because the body's flushed all this excess salt out of the system. But then you'll get this big retention, and the fluid will be retained to protect your body from the toxic effect of excess salt. And you can get a lot, especially in people that have congestive heart failure or other types of limitations, you can get a lot of really unfortunate secondary side effects. We never see those happen using our protocol. Wow. But we hear about that frequently as people are, you know, well-intentioned, misguided things. They read something on the Internet. And you know, and they try, they're yeah. doing it. And you know, I saw there was this thing where you can do your own home appendectomy, and uh, you know, they'll talk you through it. On it. But, and I imagine people could do it, but they're going to get some bad effects. I wouldn't yeah. recommend it. I don't recommend people do long-term water-only fasting unless they really understand fasting and they've worked with their doctor to make sure they're a good candidate. They're appropriately monitored. They have some baseline data, so they have a good outcome. What we don't want is people messing up fasting because it makes fasting
0: look With bad. That, and then yeah. people get terrified of it, and they don't need to be terrified of it. It just <sighs> needs to be done properly. So if someone does a seven-day fast at your clinic, then there's three and a half days of a feeding process strategically before they can get into more fe- eating normally? Well, once regularly.
1: they've done half the length of the fast refeed, yes. most
0: people can then eat a
1: whole plant food SOS-free yeah, diet. Fine. So yeah. fruits, vegetables, greens, legumes, nuts, and seed. We still would encourage them not to overeat and all that, but they wouldn't get the acute reaction to yeah. fasting. Now think about this. If you do a 40-day fast, okay, it's a 20-day recovery period. Man. And if you take a 40-day fast and put them on greasy, fatty, slimy, processed Your- stuff, they're going to be really sick. And a lot of people do end up with, that try that extreme fasting and then inappropriate refeed. That's chicken. the most yeah. significant. Now, people will only do that once. And if like, they never smile. again. <laughs> no, because they'll learn from the hard way. So we don't oh, want them to do that.
0: What, um, this stuff's fascinating to me. What? All this uh, talk about fasting has made me thirsty. I know. I got to drink some more water. Um, What else do we need to know about fasting at home in a safe way?
1: Well, I don't think that fasting 16 hours a day at home is really a problem for almost anybody. I mean, almost all patients can do that safely and consistently. If they develop symptoms like orthostatic hypertension, again, they should check with their doctor. And if they're on medications, we always recommend that they talk to their doctor because just getting healthy. That'll happen as you start limiting your feeding window may require your physician to reduce the intensity of your medication. Mm -hmm. Think about high blood pressure. As soon as you get off the greasy, fatty, salty foods, your blood pressure starts to drop. If you're taking very powerful medications, you can actually get orthostatic hypotension as a consequence of excess meds. So the problems here really aren't fasting and feeding. They're as much as managing their medications that that people are frequently on. So people that are not on any medications have a lot less problems and complications than those that are
0: or have specific health issues. And what's the longest you'd recommend someone at home going?
1: Without, like, without
0: being supervised. If,
1: if they're not going to be supervised, we recommend
0: 16 hours That's a day it. every day. No That's more, it. That's it. No 24, no Well, then they days. should talk to the doc, make sure they're a candidate okay. for a
1: longer fast. Then if they do that, make sure they rest. I'll give you an yes. example. We have some patients right now that can't get to True Earth Health because they're in foreign countries. Mm-hmm. So since the pandemic, the, right. you know, they're not allowed to come in. So we've been working with a lot of physicians in foreign countries, helping people get through their fasting. And the doctors will take the history, do the exam, provide the monitoring, and we'll provide support to the doctor. It's a service we provide. Happy to do it. But you have to have a doctor willing to provide you, you know, core support, which Mm is, you know, examine you once a day and make sure that things are going the way they're supposed to go.
0: This is a serious thing. You shouldn't mess with this you shouldn't try to ex- experiment these things on your own if you, you go know.
1: online and you look at the complications from fasting it's never f- from people in controlled settings doing it properly yes. it's usually people that they did a thing and and a lot of times it'll work out well so they'll tell others about it but then they, they run into a yeah. complication it's like anything though of you've got to use a little bit of common, common sense that's sense for sure well, and uh, so we, uh, there are people that have done longer fast they're very successful it's worked out well for them and that's great but you know, I see the other side where you know the, the, the complications. Mm-hmm. And so I tend to be a little bit, maybe paranoid about sure. the, the complexity, but you know. What's the longest fast you've put someone on? Um, longest fast at the Truneth House Center is 44 days, but we don't recommend fasting over 40 days. There's been a few exceptions where we've really had no choice. We needed to complete the process the patient was really. in. And so we ended up going a little bit longer, but we don't recommend it. Now the guy that I trained with, uh, Alec Burton, Used to fast people as long as 100 days, okay? But he stopped that. Now, when I trained with him, this was uh, 40 years ago. And these are people that were, what, 100 pounds obese or what Well, is no, this? Uh, yeah, they would have been, you know, usually 50, 60 pounds overweight or more just to have okay. the reserves to go through that. I asked him why, when I got there, he had stopped doing fasting over 40 days, and he said, oh, because of the sleep deprivation. I said, mean? oh, do they have trouble sleeping after 40 days? He goes, not them, me. Oh wow, because <laughs> he would worry too much about it. Because what happens is, if you keep the fast under 40 days, we don't see that many complications. But as you start getting into the 50, 60 days, a lot of electrolyte balance issues has to be a lot more carefully monitored. And so he would, he would just have anxiety over it. every so day is stressful. He just stopped it. And, yeah. and so at some point in his career, he, this is because he knew he could go that long without the problems, and so that's there you go. And that sounds really long, but for these people that were used to doing even longer fasting processes, you know, it doesn't seem quite so radical. So 40 days is the extreme. For us, an average fast is two to three weeks in that range.
0: And what? Um, so the people that come in with medications, how many usually do they have again when they come well, in? A little range. Some people have one or two medications. Some people
1: have you know a dozen medications or more. And then afterwards, they're completely
0: off the, their medications. The only
1: exceptions are we will continue to fast some patients on true hormone replacement therapy, like thyroid replacement therapy. It's sometimes what we'll do is we may have to reduce their dosing, but we wouldn't necessarily discontinue somebody that's appropriately Got it. on replacement therapy. Uh, but we would never fast patients, for example, on steroid medications or uh, uh, rhythmic, anti-arrhythmic medication, anti-coagulant medications. The, 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 even meds you might, people might use normally acetaminophen or ibuprofen, things that they might be able to take in a feeding state. in a fasting state could be very serious in terms of kidney response. Yeah. So they, drugs can be potentiated. Medications doesn't go with fasting. Rest goes with fasting.
0: Have you ever been on medication?
1: I've been really fortunate to be able to avoid uh, the use of medications because remember I got started when I was 16 years old, so I've never had a cup of coffee or an alcoholic uh, drink or had to take uh, medications. The exception would be I had uh, some dental work done and they used right, right, right. so I have had uh, that, but I've been very fortunate to be able to avoid uh, medications and the drugs, uh, the dietary drugs that are commonly used. And you don't miss what you don't know. Right. So it's actually you know a little bit easier making good decisions when you don't know
0: uh, what you're giving yeah. up, so to speak. I grew up in a religion where we were taught not to take medication. And so... It's, I've never really used medication. Maybe uh, I've had an ibuprofen every one, I mean, in football, maybe I used ibuprofen every now and then, um, but luckily I've never really had that. I've never been drunk, never been high, and I feel... I feel grateful that I've never really had to take medication. And uh, I'm, I'm sure I would if I needed to for some reason. Sure. But it's...
1: Well, there are times when drugs and surgery can make the difference between life and death. Of course. And that's Use great. But mostly they're not used for urgent situations. They're used to placate the symptoms of things rather than deal with the reason why those symptoms arise.
0: And why do people not just say, let me try a different way and let me heal my body first before taking medication? Why do so many people just go right to medication then? Changing diet, lifestyle, sleep, routine. Well, we wrote a book about that. It's called The Pleasure Trap. <laughs> exactly. And yeah.
1: medicine is essentially one version of the pleasure trap because what it does is it's instead of actually doing the hard work to get rid of the cause of the problem, you can just make magically the consequences of that problem go away. And so that's an example of yeah. the pleasure trap. It's the same thing. Why don't people eat a health promoting diet? Because it's so much easier to drive in and get 2,000 calories of grease and slime without even having to get out of the car. You can't even walk all the way to the counter at the fast food because it would be too much effort. So they put the drive in and then sales go up 40%. I mean, you know, we are energy conserving, pleasure seeking um, machines. And so we do everything we can to get the most pleasure, the least pain, with the least effort. We talk about the motivational triad in the Pleasure Trap book. Motivational triad? Yeah. Pleasure seeking, pain avoidance, and energy conservation. And so that's why dietary factors play in. They give us the most pleasure for the least effort uh, and, you know, as simply as quickly as possible. Because we don't want to put out extra energy. Mm. And particularly if you're sleeping, because you're drinking all that coffee... And not getting the quantity of food fix. that you need. Absolutely. You, 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 and you're never eating the right food, so you always feel hungry, right? Not only that, but the, when you eat those refined carbohydrates, your blood sugar levels go up. So your insulin goes up. Then your blood sugar goes down. Now, you've got plenty of calories in board, but your brain thinks you're starving. Really? And you're saying, Give me more. Give me more. Exactly. And don't you know waste their time with some of that. So let's get some something that'll give us the jolt again. Really? And it's up and down and up and down all day long. The caffeine, the refined carbohydrates, the sleep deprivation. Look around you. It's what you see. And then the long term consequences is dietary excess, metabolic syndrome, and then people are dying from heart disease, cancer, or COVID. So
0: you never you never drink coffee or caffeine. Not so far. Really. No teas. No caffeinated teas. Not Well, I shouldn't say, who knows, maybe as a kid, you've sat maybe I've had a yeah, green tea, you got, it's since, possible. Got I don't drink any
1: caffeine, I don't use any kind of teas. I've had herbal teas, though, Right. so right. peppermint. non caffeinated The tea. basic rule on teas is if you can eat the plant, you can drink the tea. Mm-hmm. So if it's blueberry leaf or peppermint, we don't think You care. can drink but the tea. if you're talking about something with caffeine, then I wouldn't be using that.
0: How has living a cat? because up until a few years ago, I didn't drink caffeine. Well, I take it back. I drank soda growing up, but then I cut it out of my diet. Did you eat chocolate? Yeah, I had a yeah, so, well, you're a caffeine okay. user. I guess I'm a, yeah, I guess I'm a caffeine. But I wasn't drinking coffee and I wasn't drinking teas and uh, I wasn't drinking soda for a long period of time. And it wasn't until a few years ago I started drinking Bulletproof coffee. Um, it's more for like the taste. I kind of just like it. But That's what people say I, about alcohol. Or... <laughs> I don't drink alcohol, but yeah. <laughs> that's I, hear, I, I get, like get the, the taste, point. Right? I just like the wine once yeah, night, I you a night. Yeah, and I have always felt like I've had so much energy Even now, when I drink coffee, I kind of trick my mind. I don't feel like I need it to get energy. I kind of just say, okay, I just like the taste. Mm -hmm. And I can go without it and feel fine. And I've always felt like I just have energy, you know, without the coffee or the caffeine. Maybe I'm getting the caffeine from the chocolate. I don't know. But what is a life without caffeine done for you? Well, I don't think that
1: uh, you have to have caffeine in order to have high levels of energy it's just mm. a stimulant and anytime there's a stimulation there's compensatory depression you're able to get away with it because you don't drink apparently that much and right. you're healthy yeah. and healthy people naturally have high levels of energy right just because you have a lot more energy than other people doesn't mean that you have more energy they just have less
0: maybe you're just the baseline and, mm. and that's what normal looks like so when you have coffee what do you say with every spike there's a Decline, what did you say? Anytime you there's some
1: t- stimulation of the body, somewhere down the road, there has to be some compensatory depression. The body's always kinda of end up bouncing itself out. Really? So if you stimulate, there'll be some compens- compensation
0: later on. And what happens when you You just eating? take
1: more caffeine and you keep pushing until eventually the system breaks down. Really? <laughs> Do you feel like you always have high energy? Um, No, I, at the end of the day, I go to sleep and then you wake up and you feel energetic again. Yeah. That's what sleep does. Really? And if you don't get enough sleep, you don't quite recover. And if you don't re- quite recover day after day, eventually you develop fatigue. That's what fatigue is, mm-hmm. is the not getting the quality or quantity of sleep you need. You know, if you take a healthy person, they've done studies with medical students where they put them in a sleep lab, and they simulate them just a little bit, just a little bit of stimulation, not enough to wake them up, but to keep them out of non-REM deep sleep, within two or three days, they've got fibromyalgia symptoms. Oh, my gosh. Just the disruption of that normal, not getting that non-REM deep sleep. Caffeine disrupts the quality of sleep. So, yeah, you can keep taking more and more caffeine, but eventually that process catches up with you.
0: So is the caffeine essentially harmful at any time throughout the day, or is it better before a certain time if you're going to drink coffee or tea? Well, it's is less it?
1: bad earlier in the day because the 17-hour half-life has less of an impact 17 hours later than it would.
0: Oh, it's 17 hours, the caffeine. At, at
1: half-life, so it's still having an effect. The point I'm making, even if you drink coffee in the morning, it's still affecting you at night. Really? It's just not as much as it would be if you drank it right before you went to sleep and then, you know, so, and then tried to go to so sleep. So a
0: cappuccino right, right before bed is not Maybe not, not the idea. very best idea. Okay. But, you know,
1: to ask anybody with gastric ulcer disease, how do they feel drinking coffee? Oh, well, it irritates the heck out of this okay. it's it's, There's, there's 2000 chemicals in coffee. It's not just caffeine. 2000. So chemicals. we want we like the way it makes it feel. It stimulates dopamine. We're going to convince ourselves it's a good thing. Mm-hmm.
0: But, you know, it's okay. not it's yeah, not I don't think so. No. What are the after someone comes off the fast? What are the five foods you would recommend they never eat again? I hope you enjoyed this first part, and if you want to learn about the answer to what you should be never eating again after you come off a fast, then make sure you check out part two coming very soon. And I can't wait for you to check out this episode because everything he shares in episode two just continued to blow me away. If you enjoyed first part, make sure to share this with a friend. You can copy and paste the link wherever you're listening to this podcast or use the show notes at lewishouse.com slash 1124 and share it with a friend. I'm telling you, this is something that I'm fascinated by is understanding how we can opt- optimize the brain the body heal the past and a lot of the science and the research behind fasting has helped people heal their bodies which helps clear up their mind and optimize their life so Again, stuff I'm curious about, stuff I want to explore and test out, and part two, you are going to love. If this is your first time here, please click the subscribe button over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify right now, so you can stay up to date on the latest and greatest from the School of Greatness podcast. We'd love your thoughts and your reviews. Please leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts as well, as the more people that leave ratings and reviews, it helps us spread the message of greatness to more people. So please subscribe right now on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review, and stay tuned for part Part two coming up next. And I want to leave you with this quote from Deepak Chopra who said If we are creating ourselves all the time, then it is never too late to begin creating the bodies we want instead of the ones we mistakenly assume we are stuck with. My friend, it is never too late to start making incredible changes in your health and in your life. You can start right now. And I hope this resource has been a powerful one for you to start testing and exploring and learning more about optimizing your health. And if no one has told you lately, I want to remind you that you are loved, you are worthy, and you matter. And you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great.